0: There's a place I've fallen for recently that doesn't stand out as very wild when you first think about it, especially from where I'm sitting. I've just finished a bowl of delicious pasta and a big goblet of red wine and just when I thought it couldn't feel any more wonderful, a guy in the restaurant starts belting out this beautiful song. Tourists are strolling by, eating gelato. The whole scene is a, a feast for the eyes and ears and the taste buds just as you would expect from Italy. But I've come here to experience a different side of Italy. Just two hours from Rome is one of the richest ecosystems in Europe, a little island of of mountains that to this day is home to wolves, wild boar, and bears. And I'm here to learn about what this ancient place and these amazing wild animals can teach us about big carnivores in our busy world. From KUOW in Seattle, I'm Chris Morgan. Welcome to the Wild. Sí, sí. I'm in a bread shop in Pescaceroli, Italy. It's a small village just east of Rome by about two hours. I'm stocking up on groceries because I plan to be here for the next 11 days. People come here on vacation from Rome for a little R&R. It's high up and so it's cooler in the hot summer months. It's a place where the, the excesses of Italian culture mingle with the wonders of nature. It's also a living Driving cultural landscape, the place feels lived in in an ancient way, and it's not just wild animals that call this place home. Farms are scattered across the area as part of this ancient mosaic of life here among the wild animals. It's like I've stepped back in time. The word quaint doesn't even come close. I've rented a little apartment in the oldest part of the village. Classic, tight, narrow streets, and doors too, apparently. Skinny little wooden door here. Oh my goodness, I might not be able to get through this. <laughs> this door is so thin. Oh, got to turn sideways to get in. Pescasseroli is I'm smack dab it. in the middle of Italy's Abruzzo, Lazio and Molise National Park. Run your finger down the leg of Italy on a map and stop at the kneecap, head inland a little ways, and you'll find it. I can only describe this region as an island of wilderness, and this island is a real haven for some incredible wildlife. Wolves, wild boar, red deer, roe deer, chamois, and perhaps the most surprising, it's home to a population of European brown bears, smaller cousins of the grizzly. And the world's rarest subspecies of brown bear. I'm here to meet up with Bruno Diamici. We have plans for the next day. A friend introduced us and he said he's like the Italian Chris Morgan. He's a biologist turned photographer and naturalist, and, and he's raising awareness and raising emotions and fighting to protect the ecosystem of Abruzzo, protecting this island of wilderness. How am I ever going to sleep? That's about 15 feet from my bedroom window in the middle of the village (laughs) and it goes off every 15 minutes And there's the cats Early the next morning I'm three strong coffees in pouring over maps of the area There's Bruno now Hey Bruno, how are you? I'm fine. Looking out of the window. It's raining hard. (laughs) I'm used to the rain. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. The last thing that's going to stop us is rain, and it's actually pretty good for spotting a bear. We make plans to meet up. Three o'clock at the office? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. I'll see you there. Later that afternoon, I'm out on the trail with Bruno, drinking from a fresh mountain water spring. Better than coffee. i to taste this. Oh, it can't be better than coffee, surely. Oh, that is good. Bruno has lived all over Europe, but he's chosen to make this place his home, and it's not hard to see why. I've only been here for a short time, but I can already tell there's something special about this place. Bruno tells me about a time he was out photographing wildlife in a nearby village. He described the village as medieval and it had been a cold winter
1: and I watched two wolves kill a roe deer just from one of the main streets of the village so I spent the rest of the day filming these animals by standing on the just under some nice buildings and I was freezing my ass because the, 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 the wolves were just not returning to their to their prey and there was an old lady watching me from the window, and she got all concerned about me getting cold so eventually she sent down her granddaughter who brought a, a, a plate of, of warm pasta and a glass of wine and that was super nice i was standing in my winter gear with my long lens just in a beautiful village surrounded by snowy mountains watching wolves and and drinking wine and eating pasta and i thought this is the most beautiful place in the world
0: one thing i noticed right away as bruno and i go out looking for wildlife are the beech trees these are some of the oldest beech trees in Europe, some of the trees are over 500 years old, and these trees and the nuts they produce are really the lifeblood of this entire area. Oh actually they are really good. If you pick the ones that are already open, just about a drop to the ground and everything in this forest each sees, it basically sustains the whole ecosystem. The deer eat them, the boar eat them, the bears eat them. Hmm, not bad at all. UNESCO actually made this forest a World Heritage Site. It doesn't take long before we see our first sign of wildlife. A whole family of wild boar has just come out. (sighs) That's amazing. Two adults, and Looks like at least at least 12 or 13 youngsters. (sighs) And that's not all I see. Just come across a really fresh set of wolf tracks in this mud. So nice. The area might be small, but it's packed with wildlife. Oh, look at that. There's a big rock that's been pulled out by a bear looking for insects. This one's about the size, twice the size of my head. The big red deer are actually in their mating season right now. Oh, that is... I just walked into the smell of deer sperm. Unmistakable, it's kind of like a cross between your grandmother's closet where she keeps all her old musty blankets and mushroom soup. There are 63 different protected species in the park, a park that's only 190 square miles. That's only about twice the size of the city of Seattle. Not really a lot of space for all these animals. And this area was lucky enough to be protected long before UNESCO got on the scene. It was originally a royal hunting reserve for Europe's aristocracy. They were mainly out to hunt the brown bears that live here, isolated from other brown bears in Europe. So isolated, they've become a subspecies, the Marsican brown bear, named after this area of Italy. And they've been living alongside humans in these mountains for 4,000 years. That long relationship between the people and the bears in this valley has actually affected the evolution of the Marsican brown bear
1: the aggressive bears the bears which were not somehow submitting themselves to the human needs somehow mm-hmm. disappeared
0: mm, they were the true, brave true. ones on the front line and they got killed
1: yeah so the shy elusive quiet peaceful bears have been left behind and they and they managed to reproduce oh, so and this that,
0: and that's what remains here today yeah
1: so this is probably <laughs> the most peaceful bear in the world oh that's lovely yeah, we don't, we we don't, we are not saying that you should come to here and try to hug one of them because they are still massive, <laughs> two, three hundred pounds uh, heavy heavy beasts. But in a way, it explains why there's never been a um, an attack. Really? Or I mean, apart from some bluff charges done by some females with cups, nobody yeah. has ever been injured. And here, there are people everywhere, every day.
0: It comes down to natural selection, and it's true for all kinds of species elsewhere. Only the individuals that have learned to avoid humans survive, to pass on their genes. So over time, shyness is favoured. Shyness survives. It's just one of the effects of living in this island of wilderness. And these bears have become part of the cultural life for people in Pescasseroli. You can see it all over town. There's a cafe named Bar del Orso, that's the bear bar. There's two bear statues, there's signs about bears, there's posters in cafes, there's tourist shops. It's really become part of their identity as a community. And i I got to say, being a bear guy, I've never felt more at home.
1: These villages, when somebody sees a bear in the mountains, it doesn't say, I've seen a bear, or I've seen... A female bear. They always say, I've seen the bear. Hmm. I love that. This Hmm. goes for bears, wolves, and eagles. Hmm. So it's always with the article the, which means that there is a kind of um, higher... uh, Presence. Presence. It's the bear. Hmm. I
0: love that. For me, it's always, I've seen the bear. The bear. And bizarrely enough, it was the fascist dictator Benito Mussolini that was partly responsible for the bear's survival and all of the other animals that call Abruzzo home. In 1922, it was his regime that turned the area into Italy's second national park, and some people saw this move more as a a land grab to hold on to power. But still, it helped keep this ecosystem protected, and the wildlife
1: with it. Bears have always been here, wolves have always been here. You would find people believe that these animals have been somehow released or introduced by... Environmentalists. I mean this is an urban legend and still exists. Mm, people, but people can hardly believe that they're still here naturally, but they are they actually this has been a stronghold for both species for a long long time. We, we all knew that bears have always been here, but we didn't know how, how long this kind of uh, incredible clo- incredibly close coexistence has been lasting because we are talking about 50 bears uh, in, a, in a surface of maybe 50,000 hectares. This is one of the highest densities in the world.
0: I've never wanted to see a brown bear more in my life. And although it's a needle in a haystack, Bruno knows all the right spots. He's spent a lot of months learning from the bears about the best valleys and mountain passes to search. He agrees to take me and a few others out to look for a bear. We hike to this ridgetop that overlooks a key valley. It's just a 45-minute walk from town. We sit and wait on the ridge, and we search for several hours. My eyes strain and my arms start to ache from holding up my binoculars. I try to systematically scan from the top of the valley to the bottom. It's a beautiful mixture of deciduous forest, pine trees and small meadows. Perfect bear country. My heart skips as I see a red deer. The biggest in Europe. They're roaring from the mountains above treeline. You can't really hear it very well on the recording, but wherever you go, you, you hear this noise in the background. They, they sound like crazed werewolves, totally eerie. The red deer do this to defend their harems and the males are competing against each other. And then I hear Bruno call out. Yeah, there,
1: down, down, down. Black. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a big bear.
0: Bruno's 20 feet away from me, so I scramble over to him. Where is it? It's down. I look over his shoulder as he points to a group of trees in the meadow below. I panic that I'm going to miss this. Eccolo, eccolo. Yeah, you see, you see, it's coming. I frantically focus my binoculars and I point them down to a gap in the trees, and there it is—a Marsican brown bear. Look now, 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 Chris. Oh,
1: oh, oh!
0: Oh, he is motoring. It's beautiful. A beautiful bear. A sighting like this is so incredibly rare. Bruno told me it took him five years to see his first bear in Abruzzo and somehow fortune has blessed me with seeing one in my first week. And Bruno actually knows this bear. The locals call her Sebastiana. We track her for 20 minutes and she's completely unaware of us and then she stops. In this perfect gap in the trees, she stands up tall and rubs her back against one of those trees. She's leaving her scent for other bears to encounter, and it gives us a perfect chance to really enjoy a few moments with her. Even though we're about half a mile away, it's an amazing thing to witness. Bruno tells me he's never seen this behaviour live before. I was high with excitement. I honestly didn't expect to come to Italy and find an Italian brown bear. You can spend a lot of time in these mountains and not come close to a sighting like that. For Bruno, bears like Sebastiana and really all of the animals of Abruzzo, they're, they're symbols.
1: Symbol of something that it's uh, our connection with, uh, with the remote past, that thousands of years of culture and history somehow have uh, put in a corner. So bears are the story that these mountains want to tell. The story has been kept uh, in their forest, in their corners, like some kind of uh, some kind of dust.
0: So if these bears are the story that these mountains want to tell, where does the story begin? Well, there wasn't always this loving relationship between this small bear population and people. To fully tell the story of these bears, we have to go back to Rome. Italians are too polite these days. I want a nice car honk. Come on, give me some Roman car honk. Give me some Italian attitude. Rome is a much different scene than Pescasseroli. Population nearly four million, no bears here. But there was one place in ancient Rome where you would often find bears. There's the Colosseum. Wow. It's about 30 feet outside the entrance to the metroid. Oh my God, that is breathtaking. This place has an important role in the history of bears, and not just in Italy, but all over Europe and even North Africa. You might remember that scene from the movie Gladiator. Russell Crowe's character is participating in a gladiator fight, and suddenly the trapdoors open up from the arena floor, and tigers jump out and join in the fight. He eventually kills the tiger. And this isn't just Hollywood embellishment. Animals were a part of the deadly games that were played out here. The arena floor was even covered in white sand to make the red blood stand out. It's where the word arena comes from, Latin for sand. As the Roman Empire expanded, they, they gathered up exotic animals from all over the world and brought them back to Rome. Then they would hunt them in the arena. Elephants, lions and leopards and crocodiles and bears. Bears. These staged animal hunts were called venationes, all for entertainment, drama and celebration. It's hard to imagine 70,000 people roaring with a stench of fear and excitement from the animals and the gladiators from below and the atmosphere that that must have generated. Unbelievable, really. Crazy species, aren't we? What a crazy species that that is entertainment for us. One time, the Romans built a giant wooden whale in the center of the arena, and then men under the arena floor then hoisted the mouth of the whale open using big chains and out poured 50 brown bears. That's about the same number of bears left in Abruzzo National Park today. All of them were slaughtered. It makes me wonder if we've actually come very far, you know, in terms of our relationship with animals. With all of this killing by the Romans, how did this small population of bears survive so close to Rome? When we come back after the break, I return to the quiet of the mountains and to Pescasseroli to find out. Back in Pesca in the heart of Abruzzo National Park in Italy. Bear country. And this morning, I'm woken by the sound of an old man playing an accordion and singing on the street corner.
1: <tutti>, oh my
0: dear, oh People stop and put coins in his hat and kids run through the cobbled streets like they have done for thousands of years here. Bruno Di Amici's photographs give us a window into how big carnivores, like these bears, live and survive in this park. He wants to try and get a few more shots of Sebastiana, our brown bear. He lets me tag along to help him set up some motion-activated wildlife cameras. We head down into the valley where we last saw her. We find the exact tree Sebastiana was robbing against the day before. Bruno pulls out a camera and he attaches it to one of the limbs above. And points it down. Bears have this habit of standing up and pressing their head against the tree to rub it. So Sebastiana would be looking up, right into the lens. Bruno uses us for a test shot.
1: You can see that we are both balding also.
0: <laughs> hey, not me. I'm not balding. I'm looking pretty healthy up top, though. <laughs> Bruno describes the bears rubbing on the tree like It's like posting a sign on a community bulletin board It tells the other bears Hey, I was just here Or if you want to meet up, follow me If not, maybe go the other direction Bruno sets up another two cameras He doesn't want to miss that perfect shot you guys are covering all angles We're <laughs> better than uh, CIA <laughs> nothing, nothing will pass undetected The cameras help Bruno and his colleagues monitor where the bears are. He has special permission from the authorities to help document them in this way. In a population this small and isolated, every single bear counts. So building the picture of their movements and home ranges and even the number of cubs and and where they are really helps our understanding of them.
1: But when you think that of these 60 bears, probably there are only 15 females. And Mm -hmm. within these 15 females, just five or six regularly reproduce. You can understand that this population
0: is really walking on the edge. And of those five or six, they only have a couple of cubs. And maybe half those cubs die in the first year of life. So that's maybe five new cubs in this entire ecosystem, in this entire park each year. If you're lucky, right? Yeah, this year there are exactly five. And it's not just low reproduction numbers that threaten these bears. Human infrastructure is a problem. A two-lane road runs right through the park, next to a farm. Sign of the times there. These are really popular roads with motorcyclists and I can't blame them. There's some beautiful twisties through these mountains. Wow. But it makes you think. much of an audio barrier, this must be a road like this for the bears and wolves. I think no animal in their right mind would want to cross something so busy. Bears have been killed by collisions with cars. And one very sad story, a mother bear and her two cubs found their way into a water reservoir. The sides of the reservoir were made of concrete. The bears couldn't climb back out and they eventually all drowned. Bruno is hoping his work will educate people on the needs of the brown bears and how to better live with them.
1: The bear, because of its uh, super demanding biology, requires such a huge land and quiet and, uh, and food resources that uh, they basically can't cope well with human progress.
0: The problem is the population of bears, this, this island of bears, needs to grow. The edges of a 200-square-mile national park aren't enough. To give you an idea, the place I work at home, the North Cascades ecosystem in Washington State, is 10,000 square miles. So these Italian bears need connectivity to areas outside the park to, to connect them to other protected areas. In ecology, there's this thing called MVP. Nothing to do with sports, but it's a minimum viable population. And it basically refers to the minimum number of animals in a population needed to keep it viable. The bigger a wildlife population is, the safer it is. And for bears, the Abruzzo population rides that line really closely. Avoiding a disastrous population crash is key. Disease or several seasons without enough new cubs could spell such a disaster.
1: I'm a biologist, so I understand that their, their ecological value and uh, the, the fact that they are like an umbrella species by preserving them, you know you preserve the whole ecosystem, whatever they touch, and they move a lot. they have mm-hmm. a huge territory. so in a way by preserving the bear, you do
0: actively protect yeah, the it's big, like big land protect the bear, protect abruzzo This island of wilderness protects these bears, but it also hems them in. It restricts where they can get the resources they need to survive. And it's not just a simple case of leaving their mountain home and heading down into the valleys for more food and space. Because the valleys are where the humans have settled. And bears are not always popular down there, especially with farmers. Bears always lose when they compete with humans. But it's the connectivity across these valleys to other wild areas that the bears need. Not always easy in a busy human world. Bruno describes the struggle to promote conservation as the difference between slow forces and quick forces. Quick forces, he says, are things like wars, violence and empires and these big events and actions that shape our world and and have a big impact when they happen. But Bruno argues that their strength is short-lived. Slow forces, on the other hand, things like art, culture, uh, beautiful literature, those are the things that stick with us over time.
1: I mean, take my ancestors, so to say. Probably, I mean, my family comes from wherever else in the world. But let's say that they are the ancient Romans. They destroyed, they conquered, they made fantastic battles, they built things. What's left? Their art, their beautiful poetry, their language, their inventions, their ingenuity.
0: Bruno says conservation is similar. It's also a slow force. It takes energy and passion over a long period of time to create the impact that will live on into the future, long term. I know what he means. I've spent my life in conservation. It can seem like a hopeless battle at times because of that slowness.
1: But I think on the long term, what we are building today will last. And bears are this law force. So if we manage to keep this, it means that we have learned a big lesson and we uh, we can win different other challenges. So if we lose the battle for preserving bears in Italy, We cannot hope to to win other other, uh, battles for even smaller things.
0: These Marsican brown bears have seen the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. But they still face so many challenges here in Abruzzo. It's like a microcosm of what bears face all over the world. But I'm really hopeful that the efforts of people like Bruno will make sure that these few dozen Italian bears will live on in these mountains for another 4,000 years. I have to leave in a few days, but already I have fallen in love with this place. I understand why Bruno has dedicated so much of his time and passion to Abruzzo. The beauty and atmosphere here just grabs a hold of you. It's hard to even describe. There's a magic here. Are you tempted to keep it secret?
1: I used to, I used to be like that. I don't think this is gonna be the best strategy for the future.
0: Bruno knows he needs to be an evangelist for the wildlife in Abruzzo. That's how he will get to the future he sees for this place, a future where Sebastiana and all the other wild animals here thrive. Before I pack up and squeeze out of my skinny hotel door, I take one last hike out to the area where we saw Sebastiana. Maybe I'll be lucky enough to catch a glimpse of her one last time. I walk in the evening sun for a few hours. But no luck this time. But it didn't matter. Well, I didn't find Sebastiana, but maybe it's meant to be. There's the secret mountains that she lives in. (laughs) And I wish her well with her secret life. It's just the way it should be. It's the reason that she and her ancestors have survived this long in this part of the world, 4,000 years alongside humans. Well, some things are just meant to be secrets. You can see photos from my trip to Abruzzo, Italy, including a Marsican brown bear and Bruno di Bruno di Dummy cheese. That's right. Check out our Instagram at the Wild Pod. On the next episode of the Wild, we look at the health benefits of nature, like lowering blood pressure and helping with depression, and perhaps even fighting cancer. The Wild is inspired not just by nature, but by people who work in it, love it, protect it. There's a ton of information on the website if you want to find out more. And hey, if you have a story about an experience you've had in The Wild or if you have ideas for future episodes, please do send me an email at thewild at kuow.org and we'll get back in touch with you. The Wild is a production of KUOW in Seattle in partnership with my work at Chris Morgan Wildlife. Our producer is Matt Martin. Jim Gates is our editor. Brendan Sweeney is our managing producer. Our fact checker is April Craig. We had engineering help from David Brown. Our theme music is by Michael Parker. We had additional music from Lee Rosevear and Les Hayden. I'm your host, Chris Morgan. Thanks for listening.
1: It's Bruno coming to check the camera trap left with Chris, where we saw the beer Sebastiana. So here I'm at the camera trap. Let's see, nothing, fox, fox, wild boar, another one, wild boar, wild boar, it was a party of wild boars, nothing, another fox, and this is us, nothing, nothing, nothing,
0: try again, in a week.